Welcome to episode 33 of Hodcast, the official Humans of Dublin podcast. I'm your host, Derek Carter, and I get to chat with people from Dublin or living there about their life experiences, their beliefs, and what makes them tick. The aim of this show is to help us understand life from other people's perspective so we can make better, more meaningful connections with the people all around us. Today, you'll meet Suzanne Kane, whose voice you might know from the very popular Dublin podcast and her years as a DJ on a well-known Irish radio station. You might also have seen her on TV3, where she's a regular contributor at the weekend. Now 37, Suzanne has lived all her life in Dublin and lives here still with her husband and two young kids. She explains why Dublin has such a special place in her heart and I must say she picks one of the best favourite Dublin words we've had so far. I knew Suzanne would be a great guest for Hodcast because she's written openly about so many important events in her life on her blog, susiesays.com. We talk about her experiences of her father's sudden death, about finding love, becoming a parent and some of the hard stuff that life throws at you. I also ask her why she's chosen to be so honest and vulnerable, while so many others in the blogosphere remain stuck on the surface, presenting their perfect Instagram life. There are some topics that we cover in this chat that might be upsetting for you, so it comes with my occasional warning to be careful where you listen to it, in case you shed a tear. Don't worry though, I think Susie will also make you laugh out loud, which will hopefully balance things out. After such a gap since my last episode, I was a bit rusty, and regular listeners will notice that I forgot to ask my two standard closing questions. But Suzanne gave so many great answers, I think you'll be able to forgive me. Stick around to the end for a great clip from the Dublin podcast, which we mentioned during the episode. So I won't delay any longer. I'll get Suzanne to introduce herself now. Enjoy. Uh, So I'm Suzanne Kane. Uh, I'm 37. How about that? Um, I am a broadcaster. I'm a podcaster. I do the Dublin podcast with the Irish comedian uh, PJ Gallagher. And I'm a mom. I'm a wife. And you're a writer now? And yeah. Four months ago today I launched my website which is susiesays.com. Yeah, I don't like that word blogger. Bloggers can contour and stuff. I can't. Um, I don't have that. So, so you write on a blog then instead? I scribble stuff down. Okay. Um and in sense, instead of using a Crayola these days, now I use I just put it in my phone and then I Joey proofread that and okay. then I put it up and see set. So yeah, so that's me. Uh, so that's I'm you now thirty seven. Yeah, and I was gonna say, so give us the stuff outside of the so work. So I'm stuff from that. outside I'm a mom. I have uh, a little boy who will turn three in November. I have a little girl who will turn one in November. I plan my babies that they came within two weeks of each other, within two years of each other. And I say plan and I use that word loosely. Um, and I'm a wife to Joey. And um, I live in, in, I've lived in Dublin all my life. I've never lived anywhere but Dublin. On the south side, correct. On the south yeah. side, and I've never. So I'm nervous lived. as anything next. I know you have a magical power to bewitch and rewire north side men. This is what I do. Yes. Yeah, so. Yeah. So, so I'm south side. I'm from Temple Oak, and uh, I I've never lived more than probably a, a, a kilometre from Temple Oak. Uh, first apartment that Joey and I rented was in Raffarnham and then subsequently we moved into our house. This we got our keys like this time last year, uh, in Limekillen, again within the radius. I don't really leave the pale. Uh, have a mom. I lost my dad 12 years ago and I have two older brothers. So that's that's my, don't leave the pale. Everything is in Dublin. My brother lives in Abu Dhabi. Haven't been there. But okay. Yeah. And then Has my he other, been back then? Oh, he comes home. Oh, like yeah. He's literally just gone back. Yeah. <laughs> so he comes home three or four times a year. But now my brother and my mom go out 
you know, a couple of times a year, but I haven't. Well, it's pregnancies. I'll say that. Have that's stopped a good one. That's me. Yeah, I've stopped you me. You can't judge it too harshly when you're and growing a human yeah, inside I haven't you. I have like. been able to do that. So yeah, okay. so that's that's me. That's me in a nutshell, basically. All right. And uh, what is it about Dublin that you love so much? And because it can't just be the pregnancies. Like, oh, no, there so is the a love pregnancy. for Dublin. Why are you so mad about Dublin? I you like you even called your podcast yeah, Dublin. Now I have to say that was a lot. It was PJ that we called it Dublin. Um, but do you know what? Um, do you know what Ireland in general I adore I adore this country um, but there's something about the pale there's something about Dublin even the north side even though it's flat the difference between, very much let me just if, if you don't get Dublin let me explain it to you so if you get lost on the north side of Dublin you, you're goosed because there is no landmark everything's really flat but if I ever got lost on the south side of Dublin my dad always said just head towards the mountains because you'll always find your way home and it's true I always did um, so but Dublin is the most beautiful amazing city because for something so small, it's made up of so many different facets of people, of places, uh, of dirt, of sport. <laughs> it, like it just—if we're an onion, we're an onion of a city and a county. Um, and you know, we have like the GAA, and we have soccer, and we have all these other different disciplines. You've rugby and all the different types of sport. Um, and we're there were just a small amount of people, and and I love that. And I, my favorite thing actually about Dublin is that. Is there's no degrees of separation. I remember one of my pals lived in in uh, he lives in London, and he had said to me something about he was with a girl. And I went, "Geez, that'll come back and bite you in the ass someday." Like, and he goes, "No, I'll never see her again." And I went, "Of course you will see her again." And he went, "Are you like, are you mad?" <laughs> He's like, "It's London. There's like there's more than a million people here. It's in like Dublin. fifteen million people." <laughs> and I went, "You like if you if you were with her in Dublin, I was like, you would know her cousin or sister, like." Don't do anything in Dublin because you will always get caught. Good, bad or indifferent, you will always get caught. But he had that bumper of 15 million people where there's no, like even though there's supposedly 20 or what is it, 2 million people in Dublin, supposedly Probably. they say that. Yeah, yeah. You know, to be honest with you, I think that somebody is dabbling with the census just to make us feel that we're bigger than we are. You know, to <laughs> in give reality, us that, there's only like 1,500 of us This is it, to give all, us this yeah, mob mentality, right. you know. It's like, there's actually 25,000 people. In, there's not that many people in Tallaght. There's probably 2,500 of us and you know, if we put us all together, there's probably only 200,000 of us, but we'll tell them there's, you know, 2 million because there's, you know, the strength in numbers. And then all the big companies will come in and join. This is it, because this is mad. We have this, you know, because it makes no odds where you are in the world. I guarantee you, we know a lot of the same people. My mom has made a life out of it because it doesn't matter where we go, she'll say, where are you from? Trim on from Trim originally. Yeah. And then she'll. And we try and act all cosmopolitan by not asking those like local parochial oh, kind no, of questions. Like, but moms aren't first, afraid to no, ask. No, my mom asked us the yeah. first question. <laughs> you have to, you know, where are you from? Yeah. Where, and then, you know, and that's it. And it's like, and, and it kind of falls from there. And that's the one of the most beautiful things of Dublin is that we all have a common thread. And tell us this then, right? Uh, so your podcast has loads of international listeners yeah. as well, right? And there'd be, you know, plenty listening right now from abroad as well. Yeah. Uh, and there will be words and phrases that they don't necessarily get like, yeah. but I, I always like to ask uh, guests because you're so mad yeah. about them do you have favourite words or phrases that you either that you just love them they're your favourite or that you think really capture Guther. oh god that's Dublin Guther is one of my favourite words <laughs> I think I only used it yesterday yeah. believe it or not um, yeah. Guther is probably I don't use it that often I have to curb my language my language is really bad on the podcast because yeah. PJ learned well you're free reign on here like, but yeah. I know yeah, yeah it's a habit um, it's like with P- my, P- myself and be like my, sometimes my language is so 
bad and I have kids and like I had to I was trying to proof listen to something the other day and I stupidly had it on the car and she was like don't say that mommy um, <laughs> and I only said honest. something like shut up like you know because obviously it was just a quick bit you that I was listening word. to yeah yeah <gasps> he's up. three and I'm trying to tell him he can't tell people to shut up and then he hears mommy say it so you know it's kind of um, but yeah Guter is a great word um I, I think well hang on you better explain what gooter is now in, in your own choice well, your, words like well your gooter is your your vagina essentially yeah how's your gooter but you would use it in the same way as you would use arse or hole or yeah, bum yeah, it's yeah. like I have a pain yeah. in my gooter give her a kick in the gooter a <laughs> kick in the gooter you know that it's that kind of yeah. oh she do your head in the misuse of the word crack really annoys me now because and we talk about this on the Dublin podcast because we have a lot of um, people listening in the United Kingdom and it happened this year on Love Island they kept they kept using the the word crack but they kept using completely in the wrong they context they use it as a commodity would you like no, s- no but they were like we are having some crack yeah they're having, we're having some crack or something and I'm like going, completely using it in the incorrect context don't take our word it's either the crack yeah. or no crack yeah, they can't having, have some crack yeah, you can, oh he's having a crack and what that's what that, you, that, that is not the you know so the misuse of the word crack annoys me and then also I think that you know there's this constant thing and yeah I think it works back like 20 years ago like 1997 when American people were like oh my god we're here for the crack or don't say the word crack because people you know I think you're kind of you're almost insulting the rest of the world they get what crack is they get crack and kill they get Irish people that use the word crack but you know it still seems to be that kind of leprechaun-y you know roll it out and go the crack you know we do we use it like Every day and earlier ourselves. What's I the suppose, crack? Is yeah, like my, we my well. gen- I actually put it into. I've only realised of late. I I would put it into like text messages and I'd put it into what's my. Crack? Yeah, I'd be like, "What's crack?" Or what's crack? I'd be on the phone. In the to old my Nokia brother. days, you could have shortened it to WTC. They what's could. Yeah. I'm bad. But now I'd have to have a hashtag. But yeah, yeah no, we I won't go down the hashtag road. So that's the Dublin bit. Uh, good yeah. to get your input on the Dublin yeah. side. I want to switch to the human side because okay. like, humans of Dublin podcast yeah. and like just in a real broad sweeping way like what sort of a life would you say you have had up to, to now 37 yeah I, I have um, oh god if PJ Gallagher hears this I'll never hear the end of it but um, yeah as a, as a 37 year old woman living in Dublin I think I've had quite a privileged lifestyle I have to be really honest about it I um, in terms of my family dynamic and where I grew up and my peer groups and the people I hung around with um, and I suppose what I was exposed to within the city that we live in because I, I talked about there about Dublin being an onion but it is because the landscape of this of this really small city is very very different and it can be very different from going outside my parents house and traveling 10 minutes up the road and to what um, people of my age were subjected to or what they grew up in and or what they, what was it, just what should be just an, an everyday right for children growing up and for teenagers and um, through education and through social circumstances, um, they didn't have that. Whereas we did and I had every opportunity, like every opportunity. And, you know, I wasn't spoiled by any means. My brother would, my brothers would definitely uh, who would question that but I, I wasn't spoiled and I knew the value of everything and I knew the value of money but I had every opportunity because I grew up in a very safe home environment um, my dad worked my mom was a stay at home mom she was there when I came in from school at lunchtime um, my brothers went you know to private education for secondary school and I went to my local community college I had opportunities to go to college financially we were secure I never worried about anything I just got to be a kid I got to be a teenager you know I grew up in a, a real community like Temple Oak because I'm, 
I'm part of you know St. Jude's a GA club. I mm-hmm. grew up in that bubble of a GA club, and where you have a, you know a hundred dads and a hundred mums because if you're caught doing anything, someone will catch you. <laughs> Someone will tell your dad and you will get into trouble. But or kind of take it into their own hands and say, ah, oh, no, listen. Yeah, don't do that's that. Not, yeah, it's yeah. kind of being raised by yeah. all the mams and dads. Exactly. I know it's a bit of a cliche, like but that you're being raised by the village. You are, you are being, it, and it very much is, is village mentality. And I think that only that I've got older and I have kids now that I, I, I hope that my children will have that community growth and that they will have that feeling of security. And I always remember, it's funny, we only talked about this, Joey and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I, I always remember my mom saying, if you can go to bed at night and put your head down in a safe bed and you can wake up in the morning and you're still safe and you can put wake up warm and have a breakfast in your belly and you go to school, that that's more than, you know, you ever knew. And I never really, not that I took it for granted growing up, but I never really understood it until I got older until mm. you become more and more exposed to what's actually out there and what kids can be exposed to and what teenagers and what adults now can be exposed to so yes I had a very privileged upbringing I had um, a very very pr- privileged upbringing and you know I but I, I didn't take it for granted I you know yeah. wanted to do well at school I wanted to excel I wanted to to <clears throat> be something I suppose and my parents were very yeah they like they were very very kind of understanding of that and they nurtured that and it's like you know I suppose for my parents as well like I decided when I was 14 I wanted to work in radio Did you, you know yeah I, that's when I started I started in radio when I was 14 and you know I that's what I wanted and you know my mom was like would you work in the post office <laughs> Like no, and she's like, would you be a school teacher? Suzanne, you're very Fill good in at this English. form for the civil service. They're that, taking yeah, in people uh, next month. Genuinely, mm. genuinely, that was kind of there was a bit of that. And it's my, funny though, isn't it? Sa- same as the as long as you can go to bed, you know, put your head on. Yeah. We kind of take those at kind of surface level, but what we often don't think of is, oh, like she's kind of making those statements based on the childhood that she had. Like I was talking to, it was actually, you're talking about being in the radio, Ricochet to yeah. name drop, like, but he was saying that like his parents or his mother grew up in a tenement. Mm. And like, yeah, you know, he's, he's a little bit there. older than me and yeah, but like that she grew mm. up in a tenement and that's like one generation back and yeah. that's the life that was there so sometimes we kind of slag off or you as see, you say we, forget, we take for granted though, you see that's the thing like again with our history and you know we're very young and Dublin is very young mm. like we talked about the 1916 rising and you know that we celebrated like being a hundred years last year and that you know people I know people got a bit jaded of it and stuff but it's still very very new and you know people have their views of United Kingdom and have their views of British and have all those things and look yes we should all move on but you can still understand why they feel the way they feel because it's all very new so in terms of our parents and what our parents were exposed to and that like my my gaga so my granddad he's I got him through marriage right so I both of my granddads uh, passed away when I was very young so I got my gaga through my husband and he's 93 and like this like I genuinely sit there and just I'm just like gags tell me that again like because he's 93 and it's it's not that long ago, mm. but to us, it's like, you did what now? Yeah. You saw what now? It's a like, chapter in the book that we learned in school. Like, yeah, Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's almost fictitious. The, f- the family does seem very tight. Like, yeah. uh, Do you think, was that a very uh, purposeful thing from your parents? If it was just a happy accident? How did you end up with the family being so sort of supportive um, of each other? I don't know. We, My mom and my dad both came from those kind of backgrounds. My mom has six sisters and a brother and they're like a cult. Like they're really like a cult and my cousins are like a cult and it was only like everything we did was 
we, everybody did it together. We went on holidays together. I, I holidayed with my cousins. I was very close to my cousins. Um, so and my mom and dad had that and they spent a lot of time with us. I Like I know, like I say that about being privileged and being fortunate because they did, like they, like I spent every weekend with my parents. I spent every weekend with my dad and during the week with my dad and I went to football matches with my dad and I, you know, followed him around because he managed football teams um, in our local GA club. And, you know, so they... We were very family orientated. Um, my dad worked really hard. So he would be gone and he would be working. But when he was there, he made a point of being a dad and being mm. a hands-on dad. What did he do? Um, so he was a quantity surveyor oh, by yeah. trade. Um, but he was in show bands for years. Uh, yeah, so he was in show bands and he was a boy soprano. And then he, so he gigged and he used to gig every Sunday night in the Bird Flanagan and he emceed. And I think that's where the microphone thing came from. I was a bit obsessed with microphones. <laughs> I was, and we're like, Dad, can I just get a microphone? He's like, I'll get you a microphone. Um, so I think that because they were so family orientated, it was, it was kind of what, you know, followed. And then I think I never found that until I met Joey. And I think something happened then when I met Joey because he came from a, a family that was exactly like my family. And I think his family are probably where my family were 15 years ago. So mm. my dad died 12 years ago and then things fracture and things change. So I still look at his family because they've never, they've never, thankfully, they've never been fractured by a trauma. Mm. Do you know, they've never gone through that because when loss comes, all those fractures begin in families. Mm. It doesn't... It definitely didn't tear us apart. I think me and my brothers and my mom, our relationships are all very different from the loss of dad. Um, but I and I, I that I think that's kind of made us stronger as a unit. Yeah. But we're all very, very, very individual people now. And I like I was a twenty, I was a fourteen year old living in a twenty four year old's body when my dad died. Like I, I honestly could do nothing for myself. I was everything was done via my dad, so I had to learn. And now I would. Like I would kind of say I'm kind of ha- head of my family. I'd just be like, sort my mom out, sort the boys out, be there. And how did that come to pass then? Just because you're a control freak? like you're, yes. you? <laughs> some of that. <laughs> um, yeah, <coughs> I think... Um, Was it that the, the, the boys are kind of hit harder? Yeah, I don't know. I do I do remember when... Because um, so my dad got leukaemia and uh, it was very fast. He died within four weeks. So he went in, he had pneumonia. He was diagnosed... And two weeks later, he died. So there was there was no breathe. There was no, you know, we had these plans. He was going to come home. We were going to do whatever we were going to do. And that was gone. And mm. um, and I remember Jeffrey being, and he won't, he won't mind me saying that, but I remember Jeffrey he grieved. He grieved at the time. He didn't want it to happen. He wanted it to stop. And he, and Glenn was very much a business part of it. And he was like, okay, we need to organize mm. <laughs> from mm. going there. I will need to organise like a funeral and a coffin and I was like Jesus don't say that in front of Jeffrey he'll have a breakdown and then my mum just needed to be protected really so I I was the one who went right well what's the logistics of this and what are we talking about and what's happening with them and so I went into all those meetings and asked all those questions and wanted to know the medical side of it and and I kind of just assumed the role from there Mm. and then I lived with my mum after my dad died and so I was left at home so I had that that kind of role between the family so I think that that just naturally grew from there and then different like Glenn moved away um, and then different things happened in everybody's lives and then I think my life just became more settled it was probably quite unsettled after dad died for a couple of years and I think there was probably some avenues of it that were probably a little bit poisonous to me and 
to relationships and stuff and you know poisons to my surroundings but eventually they all came good and again I had a really good grounding I had Mm. good peers and had good pals and good family around me and and then I I found Joey really and or Joey and I found each other I don't don't know how that one but yeah and I think that that stability was there so I think I had this stable head amongst still amongst the madness where everything's kind of settled now and very naturally it sounds like you had your few kind of periods of being lost at sea or sort of going a bit wild or whatever because you're lucky you would have had that yeah yeah I was like I was 24 like it was it was a really um I don't know it was like it was I think I probably was the most lost somewhere in those maybe 25 to 29 maybe or somewhere in that I definitely was the most I you know I I but I didn't grieve I didn't I like I literally when I met Joey so my dad's anniversary is the 15th of February and it was our first Valentine's Day he was coming up to her and I went to don't do Valentine's Day like just FYI in advance you know I, I'm not into it and he was like oh, okay and he's like and I went I never did it anyway but I said like obviously it's my dad's anniversary and I remember sitting up and um I remember sitting there and I was like, oh, uh, it was coming up to the time that my dad passed away. And I sat up and I went, Joey. And he's like, yeah, I want my dad's dead. And he's like, yeah. I was like, no, 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 my, my, my dad's dead. And he was like, yeah. He was dead five years at this point. Yeah. He was kind of like, oh, Jesus, I'm going out with a lunatic. And I was like, no, no, you don't understand. Like my, my, my dad, my dad's dead. And he was like, and I think he kind of went, oh shit, she's just realised her dad's dead. And I literally sat for about four hours in bed and just I like I that overwhelming sense of grief I was just like this is it like and I so I'd mm. obviously pushed it away for so long that I think I'd found my security and I'd found my safe place to go I can't do this now and I was gonna ask about that actually Joey c- clearly is a major support yeah and actually and we don't have to go down this road That's like okay. but I like I have two daughters and I have a son yeah. as well right and I kind of think uh, we were lucky in our family that our parents had really good and strong yeah. uh, relationships. They're both still alive and still very much in, in, in that rela- relationship yeah. and in love and everything. And that helps us to know what a good relationship looks like. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder, was that sort of the same for you? Percent. Like that you were able to know a good one when he came along? 100%. Yeah. And he is a, a major supporter as far as I can see, you know, in, yeah. the, in the, the blog post about when you're made redundant. Yeah, he's like, like it's so funny because I think there's there's so much of my dad and Joey. So, like we met in the GA club. I knew Joey my whole life. Like he played ball in the club. And so I would see, I would go and watch him play ball. Like I would, as I would go and watch the senior footballers, like Jude's is a very much a community and you go and watch games, you go and watch the hurlers, you go and watch mm. the inches, you go and watch the minors, you go and do, my dad was heavily involved. But even after my dad died, the one place I can go and he's still alive. And I know that sounds really stupid, but he's still alive in Jude's because the minute I walk in, someone will refer to my dad. They'll say something about Gar. Gar loved that. I remember Gary the other day saying that and mm. it's been 12 years but he's there so I always got comfort in that I always got and I watched games with my dad so I always got comfort in going to watch games so I went to watch senior football and uh, so I knew who Joey was and because he's on the senior panel and um, I tried to set him up with a girl I was friends with at the time anyway long story short we got together and uh and I was, I was like this is like this is never going to happen like this isn't going to be a relationship it's you know I remember my brother ringing me going no so Joey Donnelly and I was like what are you even talking about <laughs> I don't even know it's <laughs> and he like asked me out on dates and I was real just completely so yeah and I think he was as well and we laughed because like we and then, I don't know whether we'd even made it to our first date and he was like said had said something 
about you know not getting into a relationship or something and I went you know what it's grand like, <laughs> don't even worry about it and I was like it's not like I want to marry you Joey it was just going to be a date so just so and that was it so we we cut our ties I think he rang me back an hour later he's like look do you want to just go on a date and I went oh, when the pressure like, wasn't there like yeah yeah and I was when like, you didn't have to call it something yeah I was like, yeah yeah slowly slowly catchy monkey um and like four oh years, I knew you'd get there in the end yeah. your, your, your like, wily plan that's the hilarious thing I don't think I I genuinely I think. In all of us, it was never like, not that there was a plan, but it was never part of the plan. It was it like we we fell into each other, like, and we fell into this relationship. And the more it took me a very long time because of things in the past, it took me a very long time to let Joey know who I was because I worked in radio and I worked. So I was a master of what I thought people wanted from me mm. or what I thought that they expected mm. from me. I think you can stay at the surface for quite a long time. Yeah, exactly. And I Can't did you? that. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I did. I mean, you, you, but no, like yeah, one but that's, Yeah, no, but that's exactly what I did. That's, and especially that's then if you're great... paid to communicate, like yeah. you, you can sort of stay there a long, long time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I was quite good at it. And I, I remember, um, and it, it, this has been a, a constant narrative of our relationship of, of Joey saying, people will like you the most not who you think they want you to be. People will actually just like you. And mm. I had a very hard time with people with believing someone would like me. Mm. Just me. Just Suzanne. Or just Susie. Or just me. That You know, so I think it took a while, but when he, when I let that all down and he saw me, that, yeah, it just worked. And he's like, he literally, he's my start, my middle and my end. Like, he's everything. And I never... I never knew that existed, I suppose. I saw it in my mom. Like my dad used to refer to my mom as skin because my mom was his skin. <laughs> she held him together. She was everything. Do you know? And I remember when he was dying, he kept saying, I'm sorry, skin, I'm sorry, skin. And that was the thing. And I like, you know, it was it was that weird. I don't know. They had they just had that relationship. And I suppose mm. maybe that we weirdly, as, as you say, just somewhere. But Joey's mom and dad have that relationship. And Joey comes from like the Walton Mountain, like his, you know, he does. And like, and I lived on Walton Mountain, like, you know, I, I know what it's like and I know what it, you know, and that's not me being in any way like my life's perfect or any of those things. Yeah. But that security of like Joey's dad, what Joey, things that Joey's dad does for me, like, you know, he, he just has that role, do you know, like sometimes mm. he just squeezes my hand when I need someone, I need that someone to go. It's okay. Like, and you know, and his mom is like that. His mom very quietly, you know, she doesn't interfere at all, but very quietly is, is a backbone for mm. me and will will be there. When it, and his sisters do that. So I suppose they've learned that passion as well. So yes. we're very lucky. But that's not to say someone who comes from a one parent family or comes from that they're not going to have that as well. It's yeah, just yeah, that's yeah. what I learned. And it's funny, I remember when we went to, as I don't know whether you had to do this, but we went to a court because before you got married, you had to do a course to get a certificate. And I'm all for certificates. Oh, we were heathens. We were part of the first wave of, of going into oh. the one and only place that you go, which was the registry office. Yeah. Uh, now you can yeah. get married like anywhere stop. yeah literally yeah yeah literally so no we, we dodged the course yeah no yeah. we did the course because we got married in a church um so uh we were one of those because we wanted to know the pomp and ceremony but all it's like i'm getting an, i'm getting a you nile it, i'm getting a it. nile or nothing at all um I'm burst into flames as you walk in the door. <laughs> Just don't touch that water. Good evening, Father. Do I call you Father? Um, but uh, yeah, I remember doing the course, and they do, and I really enjoyed it, right? Because they they made you write down things that you've seen in you know your family life and in your home environment and your parents' environment that you don't want to bring into your oh, relationship, yeah. and then the stuff that you do want to bring into your relationship. 
and we wrote all that stuff down and I remember going Jesus we're completely on the same page as here because I had looked at all the stuff that had gone on in my house and he'd looked at the stuff that had gone on in his house and the good and the bad and we were like these are the stuff like his family like are major about birthdays right like they are major about birthdays and I love that because we were just never really major about birthdays do you know so I yeah, kind of like go you're getting I'm like you I want the balloons yeah. breathe the balloons like <laughs> anything that you know is good for me but yeah I, I think it's that yeah that we probably both we both see we both see kind of the good can I ask you then yeah. I, 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 where I've spent ages on Joey like yeah, and he'd be delighted and it's yeah, good no it's good because the, 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 the decoding of what makes a relationship work I mm. think is what most people don't sit and do yeah. like me and Anne get on absolutely brilliantly and we always have and we're, here, we're together like ages and ages and ages like you know 20 years but you never sit down and spell out what know, makes it what's so the recipe good. or anything like true. that it's kind of just unspoken so yeah. I think it is interesting to get somebody to sort of yeah. spell it out like that the last question that I had um, was like you mentioned it earlier on where Joey's family didn't sort of get suffer those fractures around thank God and yeah. it's great and, and, yeah. and that's nice like are you sort of in a state of worry or, or kind of are you worried on his behalf for when something happens like are you protective or, yeah because like, he's protective of really you emotional. and I just uh, um so my oh god my two best pals um lost their dad just over a month ago so he's my next door neighbor and um there were two best pals in the world and um they the thing that that upsets me the most about it is that I can't protect them from this wow um that they have to suffer for themselves kind of thing and I hate that I hate that thought for anybody who loses anyone um god um it's that grief um that I can't I can't protect the girls from that and you know their dad was uh like a father to me because we grew up we grew in each other's houses and Mm. I spent my life going in and out and seeing him. Driving us to the discos and whatever. Like yeah, and yeah. just we just terrorised him. <laughs> we really, we really terrorised him. Like, and he was just it's kind of the job, though. Yeah, isn't it? Like, exactly. I think I've used this quote on the podcast before. Like that, uh, we, me and Anne laugh when we hear this because, like, our eldest is now eighteen, oh, so luck. we've gone through the teenagers. <laughs> but, that, but that parents are the bones that children sharpen their teeth on. Like, oh, it's true. <laughs> that, isn't that's it? such a good back. one. I love that. I'd like that on a t-shirt. My kids are. I tell you, they're warming up. They're really just warming up. But um, yeah. So so, I fe- I fear for that. Um, and I don't think I I don't think. That mortality really uh, hit me until just recently because um, I always feel for people when they lose somebody um, that it's an event. It's really an event um, because we do death so well in this country. Everybody rallies around. House is full. If you bring your person home to wake them, they're there and heaving and there's people and there's talk and it's noise and it's exhausting but it's adrenaline and it's just keep going and and then you close the door and they all go back to their lives that hasn't changed and then you start a new one and that's it Mm. and that's your existence and that I think uh, I think that's the hardest part and I I look at that and I look at like Aga's 93 who will outlive us all by the way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I swear to God, he will outlive us all. Um, but that worries me, and I, and I think that I I fe- that's probably my hardest thing with with uh, with my pal's dad just passing away. Um, 
because they're the, the first out of our pals that I've had because literally it was my dad and then thankfully we've all been secure and everybody's hang on tight to who they've had you know mm. so it's been the first knock and so there's that loss of a man who I loved and you know who I I really respected mm. um, and then there's my girls and wanting to protect them from from that and I can't and that's a horrible feeling so I suppose with Joey it will be the same mm. and and, and his sisters and stuff but everyone has their own path don't they in, in grief and unfortunately it, it will come and it will knock on your door and you just have to I have to be lucky like me I suppose that you have like I, you have a Joey mm. you have that you know that net that catches you before you really hit the ground you know and I think I've been kind of lucky so yeah and, and although you can't predict there's like I'm a control freak too so that's why I'm okay good, calling you a control good, freak good like, good good <laughs> It's you say it like it's a bad thing. I know, I know. Where would the world be without <laughs> yeah. us? Uh, Disorderly. Yeah, like Disorderly. outside we press the buzzer to come in and I I, I absolutely guarantee, I know, because like if you're the same as me, I press the wrong buzzer. Yeah, it was in my head. And you were like politely keeping the conversation going and then like sort of managed to come around like after a minute, we'll just try this buzzer, but you'll in your always, head you were like, no, that's the wrong buzzer. You'll always manipulate well, the well situation done. in your head. Well done, well done, you controlled it. Yeah. But what I was going to say, Go bringing on. it back, because like, yeah. I think it is a very important topic, you know, um, uh, because I think the bit that we do very well in, in grief in Ireland is the rallying around. Yeah. I think the bit that we're shy at is the preparing ourselves for the oncoming of it. We just keep our head in the sand and ignore it until we have to see it. Yeah. That's me. <laughs> and then I think we're shy afterwards then when yeah. the rallying around sort of yeah, fades, fades away. away. So I think, yeah, anyway, the control so freak bit is we can't protect them from that, but you can be there Yeah, so, and that's say. the thing, and, and that, that's probably one of the only things I would say to somebody if they if they have someone in their life where that that's happening and it's it's a long process and you do have to be patient and you do because I remember because the like anybody who remembers my dad's even now anybody who remembers my dad's anniversary and sends me a message on the 15th and a lot of people send me messages on the 14th because they are so because he died in the early hours of the 15th so they associate it with being Valentine's Day so I still am thankful that people will send me a message and say thinking of you thinking of your dad today or doing all those things and I'm like okay but when it's it's when everything as you say kind of fades like the girls I, like his month's mind I was like you have had the quickest and longest month of your life mm. it feels like everything and it feels like nothing and it's just the beginning, you know. And to them, I'm like, I wish I could go. It's going to get fucking... It's really going to get rocky, but I'm here. And that's all I just say to them. I forget the rocky bit and I just go, I'm just here. I'll just lurk around in the background, you know. If you want to get mad, get mad. If you want to have a cry, we'll have a cry. But if you want to just keep trucking along, we'll just keep trucking along. And I think that I will see the signs I probably didn't see for me. I will probably see for them. It's easier to spot it in somebody else yeah. than maybe than you know yeah. than the self awareness. Yeah. yeah. Uh, how come you're so honest? I think. Why not? I think I spent so long probably pretending to be a version of myself that I got to a point where I'm like, if you don't like me, you don't like me. Um, and probably because my opinion of myself was they probably won't like me anyway. That now I'm okay with that. Do you know, I'm I'm probably not everybody's cup of tea, but nobody is. Do you know, I don't I don't think anybody in this world, well, ninety five percent of people in this world don't go out to intentionally hurt anybody or go mm. out to piss somebody off or yeah, go out to really, too, yeah. you know, we just can't all get along. It's just the nature of the beast. You just can't. Um, but I'm at a point where I'm like, do you know what? I have my. I have my bubble, and if you want to come in, come in. 
you're welcome. But if you don't, it's okay. But yeah. just, just don't burst it. Like, just, you do, I'll do me and you do you. And that's it. Like, it's, yeah. Is that something that you're uh, kind of very consciously aware of now and now that you're kind of raising two human beings oh, as God, well? I'm like, terrified that's something for my humans. You're deliberately trying to build into them, would you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I've never I've that thing as well, and you're like you know you're the far side because you like you've really been successful with your yes, three. I am. <laughs> Mine is still new. I mean, I'm literally I'm, yeah. I'm at merit levels. You know, like it's I've so many certificates yet to get, um, and they really test you, um. But yeah, like I, it's that feeling of, um, when Ushin was born, I remember thinking all I wanted was him. So Ushin's my eldest, and he's he's three he's three be three in November. And I remember thinking all I wanted was him. I just wanted him to be safe and I wanted to bring him into the world. And then I remember him arriving in the world and I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, we've made an awful mistake. This is a lot of work. Um, and I loved him, but there was times where I didn't think I liked him. I thought I'd, I'd make, because I didn't know what to do with him. And it was so, it was so much. My body was in just all over the place and I was all over the place. And I just, and I just wanted Joey to just, I wanted to get into bed with Joey and put the covers over us and be like, oh God, this is awful. Why did they let us do yeah, this? Yeah, who gave us a baby? Um, but as as he's got older and now he's three and he talks and he walks or whatever, you get and you'll be the same. You, I think you'll think the same is that you get this overwhelming. If anybody's mean to him, I will, oh. I will lose my shit. Only yesterday I threatened to knock a jaw off a teacher. Uh, to to my child, not the teacher. I said, so "Well, if say that, that teacher even. says that to you next week, I'm going to turn up and meet them in the car park and knock the jaw off their oh. face." Jokingly, but not really jokingly. No, you see, this is the only thing you have to be really careful because they're little sponges. They go back and tell these people that. Um, but yeah, it's it's that overwhelming. I've never felt that before because it's it's new when you're a parent. You, you don't experience it. Like it, it's that. Like you know, people who say to you. And this pisses, and I'll be real, this pisses me off all the time. People go to me, oh my God, I just don't remember what life was like before them. And I'm like, I fucking do. (laughs) I straight up remember what my life was like. I left the house whenever I wanted to leave the house. Joey and I went, you know, for drinks on a Sunday. I used to the pictures, Yeah, Yeah. I didn't go to the pictures. I hate the pictures. Oh, sorry. I don't like the dark. (laughs) Um, But we just go drink. I smoked I, you know, just did anything I wanted to do at any time. I could leave the house without an apparatus for two people and two other people. And I remember all those things. That doesn't make me a bad person or make me love my kids. I would kill for those two little humans. Jesus, I've never experienced love like I have that those two have given me. But I still remember what it was like over there. It was great. You're allowed to feel both, I think. Do you know, but <laughs> it's it's the parents who seem to just have given up on ever having a life before they have to. Don't give up because this is temporary. You know, this is really temporary. Like, you know, as much as I miss Saturday nights, like last night I went to Joey, our adventures are yet to begin, my friend. Because we were watching uh, Jack Whitehall's travel. I was like, I don't want to go to Cambodia. But I was like, where will we go? Is this with his dad? Yeah. I only watched the first episode the other night. It's a bit contrived. It is, isn't it? Yeah, and it's a bit, because we talk about on Dublin, like we talk about Netflix, but it's a bit contrived and it's a bit because Baz Ashmawi and his mum, it's so good. And And what's great about that one, it's totally extrovert, uh, interrupted. Mm. But uh, yeah, like, yeah, they set up the events, but they don't set up the script. And that's what I said to my wife last night. So I watched it the other night when Anne was out having a life with her friends. That's good. Yeah, and that's it. You have Uh, to have separate lives as well. And so I watched one episode in bed and it was kind of a blend of sort of actual scripted mm. setting up the jokes the dad seemed to be in on it and then sort of wasn't, wasn't but was yeah. still a character but I'm going to give it another go I no, think the do, dad is enough of a character he's funny, it's actually it? very good it yeah. is no genuinely it is very good and yeah. it's enjoyable but it's it's 
it is a bit contrived. But anyway, so they were they're traveling and they were doing Thailand, uh, Thailand and Cambodia and stuff. And I was saying to Joey, like, our adventures are yet to begin, my friend, because when these don't want us anymore, because they will cast us aside. Well, that means you've done your job well as we'll well. We'll go let's, and let's we'll, you know, and, and that I live for that because my mom and dad were literally just starting to, to start their adventures and um, we lost dad. So, um, so that I'm, I'm excited for that. I remember, God, so privileged. But when I worked in radio, sometimes you get invited to like go and stay somewhere for a night. And I was like, oh, do you know what? We go now, genuinely. <laughs> I yeah. swear to God, if someone asked me now. to come and sleep on their floor, I'd be like, I'm in. There's no one to mind my kids. I'll go. Do you know? I'll write a review afterwards. Anything you I want. The review, I'll just, you know. But I, you know, it's you take those those moments as a couple so much more, yeah. like, you know, for granted. Or you used to take them for granted that now you're like, I just, you know, they're so... So and good. are you able to put your finger on uh, like the biggest ways that having your children has impacted you? Like, you have how to leave are you the house with loads of shit. <laughs> As a person, though, oh, yeah, no, because I, yeah, I'm totally delighted. No nappy bags, no prams, no this, that, or the other. Um, I'm a much better person. I'm a much better person. As I said, you have to work harder at your relationship because of your kids. You definitely do. Um, and also, I don't like things not going my way. And my three-year-old, at least a hundred times a day, will fuck that shit up. <laughs> like I will go, Oshin, just come into the kitchen. Hello. Like we've got his ears checked. He can hear perfectly. <laughs> he just, you know, it's so the listening he, that's falling yeah, short. To hear it is fine. Has no interest in hearing what I'm saying. So yeah, so I think that that I've I've definitely learned to be a little bit more patient and to just loosen the grip a tiny little bit just ever so slightly but my dad always said the looser the grip the tighter the hold mm. so I've just started to loosen that so that they but they have made me a sleep deprived hormonal you know slightly unhinged missing my old life best person ever <laughs> put that in a t-shirt yeah, I'm looking at it. Yes, yeah, Ex- extra large to fit yeah, over to all fit the, the pregnant words. like for the, yeah, 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 for the for the pregnant yeah, man. The but it's like buy. that. Yeah. It's like when you see pregnant women and stuff, and if you're pregnant or your partner's pregnant, and you know, it's like everyone has a. Fu- it pisses me off. People all have an opinion. Shut up! Shut up! You're not going to be in. And God help her. Uh, like she, she could doing? write a book, and, and hopefully she will one day, Linda. If you're listening, like uh, hi, Linda. Three identical uh, girls, wow. beautiful, amazing kids, and uh, but the things that people just say oh, yeah. unfiltered and think that they can yeah. say, and um, people, people just I don't get, like, sort people of think like, before speaking. Oh, you know, how old is he? He's very big, isn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you want like what? What do you want from like? But it like, and then it's like, oh, labour horrendous. And sometimes it's harmless. I'm going to slag off my mum now, like because she would be a bit speak, speak first. Oh, speak listen, later she sometimes. should hang out with my mum. When Amy, uh, my, obviously my two daughters, absolutely beautiful. My son Perfect. is handsome, and uh, they're all awesome. And when Amy oh. was little, I just remember, and I would slag Mam off about this now if she was right in front of me, and she's holding her. And she's heavy eyebrows, bless her. <laughs> <laughs> and Anne kind of looked at me, and I looked at her, and it was like, right, let's just not say anything. That's fine. Of course, now she, you have to pay extra to get these heavy eyebrows, yeah. bless you. She will, she'll only have to have a quick thread, and they'll be perfect. Yeah, yeah, she'll yeah, be on yeah. fleek. <laughs> Perfect. Mm. Uh, but uh, let me change tack a bit, mm. right? So I said, who are you? And the first word you used was broadcaster yeah. and that you've worked in that for a long, long time. Yeah. Can I give a different angle on a question that I yes. usually ask? 
sometimes I would say, what does success mean to you? But I'll ask you and said, you've met loads of celebrities, yeah. right? <laughs> PJ hasn't, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you've met loads of them. Which of those have it nailed in terms of what you feel is your definition of success and are living, not living the life you want, but living their life in the way that you would say, yeah, definitely, like, if I can oh, strive God. towards that. I think my perception of success isn't monetary. It isn't how many people know your name. Um, I think it's down to personally what you've succeeded. And a little bit of nepotism for me in that is that I think that I look at Christopher. So Chris Moyles is my cousin. Mm. And he's the reason I got into radio. So for me... Because he would have been in radio at the time. He was already in radio, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, So he was in Luxembourg or Radio Air, I think, when I started on Freedom. Um, so we all had to go into long wave to find those I think is that right for yeah, Radio Luxembourg was, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. See, that's good see I'm yeah, old that's good that's not old it's just yeah. that's radio it was that that radio was it, yeah. um, so for me I think like I've you know I've met like some like crazy famous people like crazy famous um, go on I've met Bono I've met Larry Mullen I've had dinner with Chris Martin um, I've met The Rock. They're all, which are all kind of male, very strong male uh, profiles, I suppose. Um, I've met like a ridiculous amount of people, and sometimes you meet them. And I, and I, this is the thing that always gets me right. So people would say about you know they've met them or they know them. I would say ninety percent of the people that I've met, I don't know them. I just met the it's person that, thing yeah, that, that they, you know, but I had, I, I got, I got to meet Chris Martin. I, I sat in his company. I got to see him in his natural surrounding and relaxed. And I got to actually see what the man was like. And he's essentially, he's just everything. He encompasses everything. He's just incredible. Doesn't he meet though? Um, you can work on that. You can work on Listen, hashtag on the hit list. Put on the hit list. But, um, and, you know, they're all accomplished in their game. But for me, the reason I would say Chris, I would say Chris Moyles is because obviously it's an nepotism thing. He's my cousin. But also I've seen everything that he's overcome. So I've seen him being at the very, very top of his game. And I remember having a conversation with him and going, where do you go from here? Like nine and a half, eight and a half million people listen to your show every single morning. And he goes like, you just, you just go down. And I was like, what? just stated it as fact. I was just like, but Christopher, and he was like, yeah, but Susie, there is nowhere else to, like, this is it. He was like, this is everything. He was like, the Radio 1 breakfast show, this is where you get to, this is what you work for. He was like, this is what you get paid the big bucks for, this is what the pressure is about, this is why you turn up every day, this is why you get slammed, like, people slamming you in the papers, slamming abuse at you at Twitter. He was like, this is it, this is the big gig. He was like, you just don't break too many branches on the way up. And I was like, you've probably fractured a few. And he's like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. And he had. But he got to where he, he did. But he, in his exit, he was very graceful coming back down. And he was obese, very obese. He was very overweight. He went away and he started to work on himself physically, mentally. And he came back and he was offered so many radio gigs that they just went right for him. And... Um, and then he came back to Radio X and he offered me a job to go and present on Radio X with him and move to the UK. But for our family, it wasn't right, and which was a really difficult thing to say no and not to do. And subsequently, mm. the fact that I lost my job a year and a half later didn't help. <laughs> um, but he encompasses, I think, success for me because in his personal life, he has it right now. Um, physically, in terms of his mental health and his health, his well-being, he has that right 
I think what he does on air is incredible. I think that he is a master of his trade and that's being a radio nerd. That's that's the Chris Moyles. So he's talking about Chris Moyles really more so than... So Christopher is my cousin and the person you listen to on the radio and you see is Chris Moyles. And they're two not very different people anymore. They used to be really different. Like Chris Moyles on Radio 1 and my cousin Christopher were very different yeah. animal. But I think I think they've... He's somehow amalgamated the two of them together and you see that. So I think that for me is success because... I don't think, I think ego plays an awful part in all of, of, of what, if you work in broadcasting or what, you know, anything that you do, I think it has a major part and I think he's lost that. I think he's become, I think he's empathy. I think he's become a lot more humble than he was. And I think that's a mark of success. And it just happens that he's my cousin. But I think if I knew him, I think then I would still feel this, like as if I read a book about him or I, I learned about him, I think I would probably feel the same. And it's that authenticity, I think, that the way you were saying it's Chris Moyles on air and Christopher like, yeah, Christopher in, in is my family cousin. or in yeah. real life. Yeah. yeah. That I think you can present yourself in two different ways and still be authentic in both. Do you yeah. know that way? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think now because they're not so far apart yeah, anymore. I think that it's that that's not an probably, act or Because you do have to be. When you go on yeah. air and you... And you and w- which is, I suppose, what is probably very special about this podcast is I, I don't think it had, I, I think those veils come down and when you do this kind of thing. But, you know, I think when you go on air and for me, if I do something on TV3 or if I do the podcast or especially when I was on air and radio, you, there's just, you have a certain, because you have certain pegs that you have to, yes. you have to mark, you have to do those and you have to keep a bit of yourself back and you have to. So I think that, but I think if you find that beautiful and there's very few broadcasters that do. And I think that that's very special. I think that makes you, and I think that that art, dare I say it, but I think that art is really, really gone Mm. in radio. I think that beautiful, like Terry Wogan and Graham Norton actually really has it. I think he has a really lovely way about him. Sarah Cox actually now has it. She was wild on Radio 1 and stuff, (laughs) but actually now, I suppose, having kids and settling down, she's just starting a weekend show on Radio 2 and stuff, but... I've, you can see that in her as well that because they've lasted through time and they've morphed and the ego doesn't need to be massaged as much you know and they yeah. still have that beautiful art of broadcasting and I think people forget that that's what it is I'm really fascinated about the idea of ego like when you said yeah. it you saw me go yeah. <laughs> um yeah, and it's something I pay a lot of attention to. Yeah. I th- like, I, in one way, I kind of wish that people just didn't have any ego at all. Mm. And then I know sometimes but it's, it's ego that thing. drives you to yeah. do things. But as long as it's not like turned up to exactly. like level and fifteen, it is. Because uh, we do all care about ourselves. Of course, obviously. I mean, you should. Yeah. And I, I, I think I everyone. Love myself. <laughs> <laughs> you don't love yourself. Who will else yeah. love you? Yeah. I mean, I like myself, but you know. But like, I think that I do think ego is good. I think because it, it you have to have a little bit of a. I think more just a, a protection. You just yeah, need a little yeah, bit yeah. of a, you know, it yeah. doesn't. You don't need to be bulletproof, but you need to have a little bit just for the pebbles. Yeah. You know, because the, the stones like, will but, crack. But it's a little not all bit. about you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, 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 and the biggest thing tough. in life is, is <laughs> I hate to break the bad news to you, but guess what? It ain't all about you. Like you don't stand still, and the world moves. It, like it, so some people, you need to break that shit to them. You know, it's a bit like the world. If you're not here, the world kill, will keep moving. Yeah. Tough and all as that is to swallow, but <laughs> it will. People do I think that can I talk about the podcast your podcast for a while I think that's a big part of the success of it is that both sort of on the show and then in social media is a big part of I think the the feel and the connectedness and the kind of yeah. community if I yeah. want yeah. to maybe use that word yes. of Dublin yeah um, 
do you think that helps that that you you're sort of you're yourself no matter where yeah. yeah I think that's what it is I think PJ is very much himself um I think it's a dip for PJ because obviously he's a stand-up comedian and and then he does radio as well and I think that he that there's one man who definitely doesn't have an ego but um it, I think that the honesty of it is just it is what it is and you know we don't see eye to eye on some things and you know <laughs> we completely agree on others and you know and it's so funny because people have this it's it's funny because there's a perception of PJ and I for Dublin right so people think that we genuinely just don't like each other which it would never work and then they think that we are the best of friends and we speak all of the time like literally <laughs> we don't talk you turn up and so Start. when we come yeah, in to yeah, record, yeah. we don't talk before we record. And even because funny, my brother was at the live show. We recorded a live show as part of the Dublin Festival, which was brilliant. But Two thumbs up. Yeah. yeah. But my brother was kind of fascinated by it because he was like, we weren't really talking that much. I was like, but we can't because we were in a room together for two hours before we went on and everything will be gone. So we don't really talk that much. And then just during the week, you know, my life, I, he just goes about his life and I go about my life. And if I need to tell him something, I'm just trying to think like, what was the last thing? I probably told him to fuck off, actually. <laughs> as, in, as a message like in my last message I think yeah. I was like yeah oh he was going to watch football and I was like you're a fucking turncoat because um, he was going to Parnell so yeah so I think that that that, that honesty people like it and then it's it, it's funny because PJ's funny and then I'm not funny but that kind of works but you are funny but and I'm I think, not really but I tell, funny but I, I tell you why I think it works uh, and of course anybody listening who hasn't listened to it for Christ's sake go mm. up. and Andrew I remember you actually gave me a big shout out on your show yeah. so I just mentioned it in an way. interview I did actually I mentioned this podcast oh go away yeah, I said it was one of my favourites that I listened thank to you. no problem thank you yep. oh gosh lo- I'll talk about it on here. oh yeah uh, you are funny uh, oh yeah like no I'm not mega funny. funny but I tell you why I like the dynamic is okay. that you're clearly funny and could hold the podcast on your own. And I mean, PJ is a whirlwind. And what's really funny is you don't try and contain the whirlwind. You just leave no, them blow leave off. Them. And then at the end, you just kind of go, yeah, right, you fucking liar or whatever. And just sort of catch it. And it's really funny. I think that worked really well on stage the other like, night as well. He, he can't. You have to let him, you know, go Tasmanian. And then you just kind of go, okay. You finished <laughs> and it works and you keep it together yeah. so it's not total anarchy yeah and then so yeah. we tweet about it and people react to the Twitters and then I'm I'm having a serious love affair with Instagram Suzanne.fm on Instagram and then Suzanne Kane FM on, on Snap so it gives a little bit of that as well but like I mean I just terrorise my husband on that a bit and my kids I you know if you're not into seeing people put their kids up don't come to my social because I put kids up I find them and entertaining they're good looking kids though in fairness I mean we're keeping them um, but you know it's it's that kind of thing so yeah it just works the podcast just works Dublin just works and it, touch wood so far it's worked and we'll just keep going until they just say you just need to piss off and stop talking do you feel kind of competitive about it no. do you have a, a sort of a vision of the future or something that you want to achieve no, or, no just keep doing it we're going to hit half out. a million in the next couple of weeks brilliant um, which is a huge achievement do you know what if I'm really honest with you it's kind of a bit of a fingers up to how good we are and that that yeah you missed that yeah I think that that's my that's my you know I'm good at what I do mm. so fuck you <laughs> and it's something you're taking control over yeah exactly which is nice I don't have to this was that was this is shite I just get to we just get to do what we want to do so yeah yeah there's loads that you've written on the blog post that, yeah. I, that I could talk about and everything and, and um Again, back to that word, you've been super honest. I think I tweeted you or, or, or DM'd you or something saying like, 
I think it was Neil Gaiman or somebody like that said, look, if you're not shitting a brick before hitting publish, well, then you have to think about, is this thing really as important as yeah. I want it to be out yeah. in the world? You know, that way. Why did you opt for one? Like you talked, to, and, and I haven't forced you down because I yeah. know um, some of them are kind of heavier topics. Like, but you know, like you even talked about you know, having a miscarriage your first yeah. time out. And why have you chosen to be so open like that in your blog? Because, so what Susie says, it's like... Um, is it cathartic? I don't know if that's the right word. But so the, the, the post you're referring to is about the redundancy reality. So I wrote a post about being made redundant at seven and a half months pregnant. And I'll be honest. I wrote it three months before it went out. I sent it to two friends who are writers. I was like, does this sound bitter? They said, no. I said, is it written okay? They said, yeah. And I sat in it. And I went, I'll, I'll see what I do with this. Because I didn't want it to be perceived as me being bitter or being nasty or trying to have I don't know a go at at the radio station that I worked for I knew that when I put it out I was I didn't sleep for two nights after it went out I knew that there would be people in within radio who would go she is an absolute fucking idiot she's just literally committed radio suicide not working in radio anyway no one's knocking my door down offering me gigs so that's fine the reality of that situation was to show that I believed at the time that my radio job defined everything that I was, mm. that it was all encompassing. And I, I genuinely like Joey thought somebody had died when I rang him that day. I couldn't breathe. I was so devastated. Being seven and a half months pregnant was poxy. It was poxy. But losing my job was horrendous. So the being pregnant part wasn't ideal and yes it was probably illegal what they did and yes what they did was absolutely fucking horrendous but they don't give a shit they just got rid of me and that was really it so to me it was a bit like do you know what I promise you if you're having the shittest of days or you're having the poxiest of time in work one day you will look back it took a year for me but you will look back and you will go do you know what it wasn't as all-encompassing as I believed it to be at the time. And that was why I wrote the redundancy piece. Financially, it's still not great. It's changed how I feel about radio. The people that I worked with, it changed how I felt about them. It changed everything, basically. But I wanted people to know that even in the worst possible, and it was only like, you know, nobody had died. Mm. It was just my job. But it was everything that I thought I was. And actually, I'm not. So I just write it down. So what Susie says, look, I joked at the start, I can't contour. Beauty's not me. I'm not a fashion blogger because I don't have any clothes to wear because I've spent all my money on my kids. <laughs> and I lost my jobs, so I can't they buy new the clothes. They're the best of gear, though. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they are literally, <laughs> they have an outfit for everything. Um, And I just don't think that there's many, there's many blogs about that. It's not a parenting blog. It's just a blog because I don't think there is many blogs like that around there isn't everything I've read about being a parent is, is sugar-coated mm. and it it gave me a perception that I was doing everything wrong and that my thoughts were wrong and that I was like to a point that at one point I thought that I had postnatal depression because I thought I was doing I was coping so badly and I referred to them as the baby navies because they weren't the baby blues and that they weren't they weren't postnatal depression I was just somewhere in the window but nobody told me about that and that it was perfectly normal um nobody really talked about miscarriage I just wrote a post about we're having a baby and those words about we're having a baby and I hated them I thought they were just so cringe I was like fuck off we're not having I'm having a baby but then I lost our first baby and um, 
at the time, I, I like I, I like I did what my I swallowed it. I was just like, I just need to get back to the world, and I I need to keep moving, and I need to do whatever. But I saw how heartbroken Joey was. I saw Joey, which I didn't actually write in the post, but I saw Joey walk into my mother-in-law's and fall into his brother's arms, and I saw him try to fix me while he tried to fix himself. And people don't talk about that. We talk about we talk about miscarriage barely, mm. barely. We talk about it. But we don't talk about how it affects us. You know, people talk about the solutions. They tell you, oh, I know our brother, sisters, uncles, cousins. And they had it. And it's like, I don't care. I don't want their pregnancy. I don't want their baby. I want my baby. I want my pregnancy. I want, you know. So it, it was more just to go, do you know what? This is me and this is this is real. And if you identify it with, but you know, you're not on your own. Because everything is so, it, again, it falls down to ego and it falls down to Instagram life and real mm. life. And I don't live an Instagram life. Does this make life. me look better or worse? Yeah. Yeah. I don't live an Instagram life, you know. I, my kids, neither of my kids slept last night. Oshin's had a temperature. Hannah woke up, you know, but I got up, had a shower, put some makeup on because I was coming in to meet you. If if I was at home, I'd have my glasses on. I'd be in a tracksuit. You know, I wouldn't, I don't put on makeup most days. I don't live an Instagram life. And yes, sometimes from time to time I get sent nice things or whatever. But realistically, we still have bills to pay. We're still financially struggling. My wages isn't coming in anymore. I need to figure out how I make some money. Don't make money off the blog. Don't make money off the podcast. So ultimately all those things. But if they make if they make me, if they give me a unique selling point to somebody else where they go, do you know what? Maybe we'll employ her to, well then I've accomplished something. But if someone's sitting at home and reads it and goes... I mean that like the amount of people which just kill me and we could talk about this for hours mm. but like the amount of people who text me and who DM me and who, uh, who work in broadcasting who went this is me I'm just like it's such a lot of shite like so with, with any luck you've kind of catalyzed th- them thinking about yeah. is this yeah, what I really just, want and am I actually valued in the way that I am valuing them and no, is it two way or just one way people who are working yeah. in a job who aren't valued so it doesn't matter what they do but they're just not valued and it's just like do you know what Find find what gives you your value because at the end of the day you are disposable. I think it's never been uh, more in people's control to be able to do something and turn it into a living. Yeah, it's not that easy, but it's never been easier. I've yeah, said no. that before. Yeah, and that's mm. it. Like so, what Susie says, it's just like go on, do whatever, and you know. And I literally this week I've had had a conversation with Christopher, with my cousin, about I'm going to start to do one of the podcasts and stuff, and it's kind of just that that train of thought as well of kind of just trying to figure out where we're going <laughs> I'll tell you why I like it like the podcast is fun and honest mm. and authentic and a great laugh and sometimes broaches serious topics mm. you know repeal the 8th and all of yep. that sort of yep. stuff and, 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 and that's where that sits in my world that's, that's what yeah. I get out of listening to yeah. and then I think the, the blog then is yeah I think you said kind of cathartic for you it's, yeah. a, it's a way of you catching your feelings and thoughts and putting them in a place uh, and it strikes me that it's kind of big life events that you've gone through yeah or feel strongly about and you're putting it out there and I think the more people that are able to put their honest story out into the world the more that veil drops off everybody else around yeah. them and if you're the only person doing it it feels scary and solo but if there's more people doing it well then it sort of starts yeah. to bring a bit of a change in, yeah. in that media that there's is so many, surface level and ego driven it's just like it's all it's not just mommy like it's uh, the, the, the parent like just the blogs in general some of them are brilliant some of them are mm. but some of them I feel that they like the mammy things it's kind of like it's almost like comedic value like oh I'm strangling with my three kids and it's all a bit like oh, it kind of feels like it's done yeah, for the yeah. Laurel and Hardy effect rather than the it's okay to feel yeah. like you're you know because I do have days like that like Joey comes in and I'm like in a bundle going mother of God you know and like the the reality of life is that you know 
you're juggling a million things like my mom hasn't been well for quite a while and we're trying to organize her and then so you have the dynamics of those things and she's figuring out all you know so it's I just think I just for me I'm just like I can't give you I can't I can't give you something that it's not because everybody's life is a bag of mickeys but I quite like mine do you know you like your bag of mickeys I like my bag yeah. of mickeys yeah. and it's and it's fine and it's okay if yours is because do you know what the shit that you're seeing online to be honest with you most of it's a lie mm. so it's okay everybody lives in a mediocre normal life and do you know what like that once you can put your head down at night you can close your eyes if you can wake up and you're insane like we're fucking doing you have it like you're waxed yeah so because everyone's going to worry about money and everyone's going to worry about kids wet in the bed and potty it's training it's human, it's human. Yeah. can I ask you one last one yes. and then we will wind up tell us for anybody who doesn't know this what Have Notions is oh in yeah in a nutshell and then I will ask you for all your details of where people can okay. find you but tell us what Have, have Notions it's is. everything <laughs> it's everything and it just came up organically out of nowhere yeah didn't it? so basically yeah. it came out of Susie Says my website that I was I was so nervous about my website and I we sat in PJ and I sat in this room and I said to PJ I'm so scared that people will think that I have notions so it's such an Irish thing it's like they have notions and PJ said to me have fucking notions and it rolled from there so now it's like do you know what just do it just go with it just have notions believe in yourself no matter what it is have them and I believe everybody should have notions because notions became Almost like a derogatory term. Oh, yeah. You like, you know. State your one. Yeah. Notions. Notions like, mm. and, you know, it's, it, it falls into that slang and, and into that kind of usage of words. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with having notions. You know, we, we tell our kids to dream and we tell, you know, ourselves that somewhere deep inside us we can do it. And, and they're all, that's kind of like the, the quoting world of Instagram. But you know what? Just fucking have notions whether you want to put them out there or you don't just have them just tell yourself you can have them or hashtag have notions hashtag <laughs> make yeah. me feel like I'm not so old yeah. um, I might play the clip afterwards at the end of this in a minute okay. in the have notions because he is absolutely like go bananas like I can yeah. I can still hear PJ in my ears going fucking have notions what's wrong with that so I think it's a strong message to yeah. finish with which actually to be honest sums up a lot of what we talked about yeah. today so uh, Suzanne Kane, tell us where we can find you like all 50 places that you are online I cut back my social media I'll put it all in the show notes afterwards anyway. okay so if you want to follow me directly Instagram is Suzanne.fm uh, Suzanne Kane FM is my Twitter account and my Snap account Dublin Podcast at Dublin Podcast is our podcast on Twitter um, or on iTunes Spotify and everywhere else um, yeah so that's and then Susie Says so it's S-U-Z-I-S-A-Y-S Susie Says dot com is my is we were on Susie Says blog on Facebook or Susie Says dot com is the website just a black and white website that's it <laughs> me talking about things <laughs> well thanks for talking to me about things Thank isn't that a brilliant close to talking about things perfect segue out uh, <laughs> crying's okay <laughs> you nearly made me cry but anyway I'm going to hit stop now Suzanne, thanks very much for being on the podcast. Fair play to you. Thanks for having me. This has been a highlight. Well, thanks to Suzanne for a brilliant chat. That was another great example of what I want podcast to be, an authentic interaction with a real, caring human being. You'll find all the show notes and links from the episode in the usual places, facebook.com forward slash podcast or just podcast.com. 
say hello to me on Twitter where I'm on at hod underscore cast and if you haven't done it yet it'd be a brilliant help to me if you'd rate and review the show on iTunes. You should find a link to be able to do that in whatever podcast app you use. Remember, for more authentic human stuff check out suzysays.com and as promised I'll play you out with that section from the Dubland podcast about have notions. Until next time take care and bye for now. I've, I've notions now. I'm I could do on a website. I've absolute notions about myself, and who cares? But you know, to, to me, and have this is notions. Everybody else is <laughs> have notions. There's nothing wrong with fucking notions. When you were an eight year old kid, you were full of notions. If somebody said to you when you were eight, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" You'd say a Hollywood movie star, a professional footballer, a fucking uh, astronaut. I want to grow. Up. I want to be a robot. You'd say it, you'd have fucking notions, real notions, and then some prick decides that you don't. You're not don't deserve notions anymore. You deserve notions. Have fucking notions. Have notions. Have a bit of ambition. Believe in yourself. Be fucking nice to yourself. Be nice to yourself. Tell yourself every day you're a great person. Because fucking no one else is going to do it. I think that's and, the and best there's nothing ever. wrong with it. You know what I mean? There's nothing wrong with looking at yourself and saying, do you know something? Maybe I'm not the piece of shit I've been trying to tell myself I am. Maybe I actually can shoot a little bit higher than what people are estimating me for. Who knows you best? That's it. And do you know what? You're right. We should all have more notions in the world. We need more notions. I'm telling you, we need more notions. We need to think better of ourselves. The whole lot of us.